Well, y'all going to have to do better than that. Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? Come on, let's stand to your feet. And turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter number 3. The book of James. It's in the New Testament. Chapter number 3. And we're going to read a few verses there. There you can say amen. <clears throat> My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Another translation for the word perfect is mature. Able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yield both salt, water, and fresh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the opportunity to learn. God, we, we are so glad you left us this book. We are so glad, God, that you have given us of your word. We're so glad, Father, that you have given us the Bible, the truth. As you said, heaven and earth will pass away, God, but this book will never pass away. It transcends time and all of the, the attempts of man to try to discredit this book. The truths are timeless and the truths are eternal. And God, we are so grateful this morning, God, that we get to feast upon your word, to learn. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher here, not me. You are the teacher. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to be a people who develop great relationships, a people that know how to use our tongue in such a way that it will bring glory and honor to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated in God's presence. Well, good morning. We're beginning a brand new series today. It's entitled Homeland. And Homeland, Homeland series is really about discussing the areas that we need to excel in if we're going to be a healthy body of believers. Our goal will be in this particular series to be able to fix the internal so that our external ministry will produce the kind of fruit that God wants us to produce. How many know until you take an honest look or until we take an honest look at ourselves, we're not really ready to, to reach the masses? And so there are some things and there are some protocols in which God has given us through his word on how the church is to function and to be effective. 
How many know that the Bible is loaded with principles? Everybody say principles. Come on, church, work with me. Everybody say principles. And I want, you to, I want you to think about this because this is, so, this is so extricably important. Because everything that God does, he does it through the principles of his word. So the more that we understand the principles of God and we can begin to embrace those principles, then the more fruit we're going to have in our lives. And so it's so important that we understand it. So, so we're going to be exploring some of those things because we, want, we don't want to do anything that will hinder God's ability to work through us as a church. We want to, how many know, how many are with me? We want to reach everybody that God wants us to reach. And the church said amen to that. Come on. We, 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 want to, and we don't want to do anything that will get in the way of that. And so we want to be a people that move into the thing that God has called us to do so that Jesus can be proud of his church. So in this particular message, I got an interesting subject today. We'll be dealing with, we're talking about relating well. This message will address the issues concerning how we communicate with one another and how to develop and maintain healthy relationships. Now, my experience in Christianity has taught me over the years, and I've been around for a long time, that we don't use our tongue very well in almost any setting. And I, would, I hate to say even within the church. We don't communicate well in a way that will be healthy, in a way that would build up the body of Christ. The key to any healthy church is healthy relationships. And I want to emphasize healthy. Everybody say healthy. Because you like healthy. Everything that we do in life, we, I mean, we want, to be, we, want to, we want to have great health. We want to try to eat right. We want to try to exercise. We want to be in environments, right, that, 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 that stimulate the, the, our health and that is good for us. And so healthiness is a wonderful thing. And how many know that healthiness is attractive? So as a people of God, we want to be a healthy people, and a healthy church is built on healthy relationships. In fact, I like to say this, that the church that does relationships the best is the church that wins. Let me say that again. The church that does relationships the best is the church that wins. The church that does relationships the best is a church that wins. Great preaching alone don't keep people at church. Let me say that again. Great preaching alone don't keep people at church. But I tell you what does. Great relationships. Great relationships with people. Because you were designed, every one of us was designed to be a part of a community. And now that we're the people of God, how many know that God wants us to be interacting with each other, feeding off of each other, growing together? And so, and so great preaching will keep it there for a moment. It'll get you excited. But at some point, we need, to, we need something that will take us to another level. We need something that will take us to a deeper level where we can begin to, to navigate some of the issues that we're experiencing on a regular basis because we, we all need support. And let me tell you this, as a Christian, you need even more support. If you intend, is anybody out there intend to live holy? Raise your hand. Come on. That should be about everybody. If you intend to live holy and be holy, how many know you need a support system as a Christian? Because you're in the minority. And, and so it's so very, very important that, that, that we learn to connect with each other on a deeper level. I'm not talking necessarily that we need to be so intimate with each other. We need to know every little minute detail. I'm just talking about relating about the things that we have in common. Because how many know that we have a devil out there that is fighting you every single day? You have a devil out there that's frustrating. I'm telling you right now, the devil, the devil I mean, he want to he do whatever he can to distract you. He want to do whatever he can to ruin your relationships. He want, how many know the relationships, uh, you know, the, uh, how relationships work? They, they affect your everyday life. How many know if you got somebody close to you and the relationship is not right, it affects you? 
How many of you go into a place and the atmosphere is not right and the relationship is not right? How many know that will affect you? So we want to talk about that today. And so now watch this. Are you still with me? Say amen. Now, if, health, if health, healthy relationships is the primary key to great church and ministry, then great communication is equally important. Now, why I say that? Because you can't have healthy relationships without healthy communications. I mean, it all begins with communication. And in, in fact, healthy communication is the foundation for great relationships in church life, or really in any sector. And so what I've come to discover is that many ministries struggle. Many uh, uh, ministries struggle because of reckless communication. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that here today. But I want to give you an example, because one of the things that, that I have discovered over time is, is, is that we simply don't know how to communicate. Some of us come out of environments where, where all of your experiences about communication have been very negative. So you have a really, really difficult time with, being, with, with learning how to develop a healthy relationship. How many know that sometimes when we, when we have a toxic experience, we have a tendency to carry that toxicity, toxicity every place we go? We can carry it from one relationship to another, one relationship to another. And people, and I, I laugh because I'm, I'm going to go to a church. I'm going to go to another church because something happened there or bad relationship. And, and, and I always say, if you want a perfect church, don't you go there yourself because you mess it up. Because here's the problem. Listen, we are the problem. And until we deal with the we, or more personally, I, then I will never have the kind of relations, relationships that God wants me to have. And so, so many years ago, when I first uh, came into ministry, I was a part of a church for eight years, and, and y'all, some of you have heard me say this, so I won't belabor the details, but uh, and this kind of an issue kind of started from the top for the most part, and what I mean by that is I'm talking about the leadership. The sermons were mostly negative. Uh, every week after leaving church, we just felt like we were, and we were beat up. I felt like I needed to go to a hospital. I felt like I needed to be, uh, you know, I needed to be in a, have an IV connected to me just to re rebound from the service that I just attended. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? And so the sermons were negative. And the sermons were just, it just kind of beat us up. And, and oftentimes we're in an environment where individuals were called out and humiliated in front of the entire church. I mean, I mean, called out like, name, come here. And their sin or their perceived sin was called out before everybody. This was an environment that was dominated by nothing but fear. And so people were afraid to talk. And so, and so if people had questions or if people had um, just wanted to have a, a conversation about what they were thinking, what they were feeling, and what they were going through. They, they weren't allowed to talk. In fact, the way the leadership was, um, in fact, I mean, he, he was, the, the, the whole thing was, well, you know, if you got a problem, then you just take that to God. And particularly, if you got a problem with me, you just take it to God and just pray for me. And, but but, you, don't, but you, know, you don't say nothing. So, so you had all these people walking around that had issues and with leadership, had issues with one another, and, and, they didn't, and they didn't know how to talk because rightly so, he taught very heavily on the subject of, of respecting authority and all that, and all that's important. But he, but he did not teach the other part. How I many you know the, everybody say the whole council? Come on, everybody say the whole council. You got to teach the whole council of God. And so, and so he didn't teach us how to to deal with issues when things come up. You know, how do I deal with a problem? If I got an issue with something, how do I deal with that? If, or if, if I want to ask some questions, how do I go about that? Or if I got these feelings down on the inside and I need to talk to somebody, how do I, how do, I do that? As a consequence of the church, many people were hurt and it all basically boiled down to a communication and the lack thereof. How many know that we cannot have authentic, healthy relationships until we are honest with one another? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? We cannot have healthy, authentic relationships until we are a people who are, who are, who are just honest with one another. Now, now, honesty don't mean that, that we ought to be rude. Come on, somebody. 
Honesty don't mean that you can talk to people any kind of way, just, you know, just, I'm just going to tell you about yourself. You know, how many, how many know the Bible says we ought to always be gentle about how we approach things? So honesty just simply means is I'm going to speak to you in love. I'm going to speak to you because I care about you and I want to share with you what I'm thinking because I want our relationship to be good and healthy. So Paul here in James chapter 3, we read a whole lot of verses. So I'm not going to read it again. I'm just going to kind of highlight some things he says. And listen to this. It's so, uh, not Paul, but James. But James says here, the first point, he says, not many of you should become teachers. It's kind of strange because he says, let not many of you become teachers. It's kind of like, it's almost like James saying, look, look, don't, a whole lot of you, don't, don't do this. Now, why would he say such a thing? Was, was James really saying that, that we don't want teachers, we don't need teachers in the body? No. He's simply saying that to those who are going to stand and have a platform where they're speaking into the lives of other people, you're going to be held to a greater account. How many know that me as a pastor speaking to you and the audience abroad, how many know I'm going to have to give an account for every word? And the Bible says, watch this, that there's a stricter judgment. In fact, I want to say to people, anybody who want to move up in the kingdom, you know, particularly you want to have more influence, you're asking for more judgment. To whom much is given, much is what? Much is required. This is how God thinks. Remember, we're talking about the principles in the kingdom of God. And so, so now he says something very interesting in verse 2. He says, now, if any man does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. Wow, look at that. So James saying one of the ways that you can mark a Christian that is a mature Christian or a growing Christian is not, listen to me, church, not by just how much Bible you know. How do you know there's a lot of immature Christians that know a lot of Bible? There are a lot of immature Christians that understand theology, but, 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 but when it comes to communicating to people, they, they, lack, they lack skill, they lack ability. So he's saying if any man does not stumble, he says this is a person that is, that is truly mature. This is a perfect man. This is a person that's going someplace. So one of the ways we know a Christian is growing is he don't, he's not loose with his lips. He's not loose. He don't just say things off the cuff. She don't just say things, anything that comes to her. She, she, they're purposeful. They think about it. Now, now look at verse 6. It explains, verses 5 and 6. says, even so the tongue, the tongue is a little member, look at this, and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire kindles. So watch now. So here's what he's saying. He's saying that little thing in your mouth. Okay, everybody do me a favor. This is the exercise. Stick your tongue out. Yeah, come on, stick, stick it out and point to it. Now, I want you to touch your tongue. Now, as small as that is, that is the most powerful thing about you. Let me say, let me say this. Everybody remember when, well, you know, we read about it because some of us, we're not this old. But, but when, when, when the United States dropped the atomic bomb in Japan, y'all remember reading about that? Because no, nobody was there, right? So, and, and, so and, and I still see the image of that. And, and I mean, every time I see that, you see that big old mushroom cloud. It's like, boom. And, and you're thinking to yourself, man, how terrible. But, you know, when that atomic bomb dropped, that it wasn't just the fact that it dropped right then and there. There were people dying many, many years after the fact. I want you to understand that your tongue is like a nuclear bomb. That little thing that you just put your hand on, you can blow up some stuff. You can destroy people's lives by what you say. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? That little thing in your mouth. That, 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 that. Here's what the Bible says. He said, look, he, he said he likened it to like a little fire that has the capacity to spread and destroy life. In fact, the Bible says, watch this, the life and death. This is Proverbs 18, 21. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. How many know we can speak life or we can speak death? How many know if, if you want life in your marriage, how many know you got to speak life? If you want life in your church, how many know you got to speak life? 
If you want life in your family, on your job, in your relationships, in your atmosphere, how many know you got to speak it before God does anything in the, 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 the supernatural or in the natural, there must first be, and hear this, there must first be a transition in terms of how we think and how we talk. You see? So you want to, so let me give you, give you an example. So you're saying, I want God to move. God, I want you to move. And, 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 and I'm believing God. Well, how many know if you're believing God, if you really believe in God, you better start acting like it. If you believe in God, you better start talking like it. Because God don't move, or God is not going to move when people are not saying and, and speaking what they want him to do. And so, how many know that your belief, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the what? Word of God. The more I hear, the more it affects things, my atmosphere. And so, so I'm going to look at the neighbor and say, choose life. Look at the neighbor and say, choose life. Look at the neighbor and say, choose life. So be a person that said, you know what? I'm going to speak life in this situation. Stuff that's dead in my life. Situations that are dead. You want to speak life in your church? I'm going to speak life in my church. Yeah, we had, you know, some people not here today and some people left. You know, I'm going to speak life into this family because I believe that God is here because I'm here. And last time I checked, I still got a pulse. So as long as I'm living and breathing, I'm going to speak life. Life, why? Because the scripture says, watch this, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Power of the tongue. So you can speak and you can kill stuff. I mean, we can one minute pray and ask God, Lord, I want you to do it, and then cancel out everything we just prayed by what we say. And a lot of people do that. They'll pray one thing, and then they cancel out everything they just prayed by how they talk. This is not to say that we deny reality. It just says that we're walking by faith. Come on, church. How many of the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. We're not denying reality. What we're simply doing is we're activating our faith. We say, Look, I'm going to believe God. And so I'm going to speak life. I'm going to, I'm going to speak life into my friend. I'm going to speak life into people. If people come into church and, and people are walking in these doors and they've been dealing with dead stuff all week, how many know that they walk in here, they all are walking in an atmosphere where people are speaking life, not death, not negativism, not unbelief, not, well, I, I got no way to, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Oh, you do know you how you're going to make it. Stop preaching Jesus. How many know that all things are possible? I said all things. Oh, good God. I got I to gotta preach by myself. All things. All things, all things are possible to him who believes. All things. That doesn't stop because you look funny, you ain't acting right. Or Listen, all things are possible to him who believes. I choose to walk with God. I choose to be a man of faith. Now watch this. So if life and death is in the power of the tongue, then I got, how many know a wise man don't speak everything that comes into his mind? Come on, church. If you spoke everything that came into your mind, you get locked up. I, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be standing. They'd be like, come get him. Come get him. Because how, how many know that we're still being renewed and there's some thoughts? I mean, have anybody ever got offended by, your, by thoughts that came into your head? That you got offended by your own thoughts, got mad at yourself. You want to slam your head up on the wall. What the, where did that come from? Am I just by myself? I'm the only Christian. I don't want to ever experience that. Maybe I'm just a freak of nature. I don't know. But I, but I understand this thing, that there's something about speaking life and, and, and declaring what you want. The Bible says if we, if we speak, we'll have whatsoever we say in Mark chapter number 11. We don't have time to go there. But if you declare it and begin to speak it, over situations, over people, over circumstances. I want this church to be a place that every time you turn around, somebody is speaking life. Listen, when people come from out there and come in here, all they need to hear is life coming up out of here. Hope, inspiration, power. This ain't working right. and Okay, then, then prophesy. <laughs> 
Don't stand and look. Don't stand and take it. Prophesy. Be determined. Say, I ain't gonna stay here. I gotta move. I gotta. I gotta speak life into this thing. This is the way God wants us to do. To do it. Let's bring me to a, a, another part of my message that you all are just gonna love. I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit with you this morning because I don't talk about it a lot. Does anybody here know what gossip is? Everybody know what gossip is? Raise your hand if you know what gossip is. No, it, no. Before you raise your hand, think about it. Do you really know what gossip is? All right? Ask yourself that question. All right? So let me put it to you this way. Because a lot of times we tell people in church life, we say all the time, we say, you know, and we, we say, you know, don't gossip. You know, the Bible is, everybody here knows you're not supposed to gossip. Everybody here knows generally what the Bible says about gossip. But I have come to understand and realize that a lot of people don't really know the difference because the line is so subtle because oftentimes gossip will masquerade itself in the garments of I'm just concerned. Uh, let, me, let me show you. So I'm going to talk about this for a moment. So I want to educate you on this. Why? Now, when I, why? Because I've been in church for a long time, and, and, I, and there's no church that I go to or have been to in life since I've been saved, got saved in 1991, where there has been some gossip on some level. And I, I, want, you, I, want, you, I want you to be, listen to me, I want this to be a church where gossip is not allowed. It's not allowed. We don't gossip here. No, we do relationships well. We do relationships right. We don't gossip because how many know that we're in this thing together? I said we're in it together. If you're saved, if you're in Christ, you are my brother and you are my sister. So whatever I do or say about you, I got one goal. I want to build you up. I'm going to use my words in a way that is going to build you up. It's going to encourage you. Listen, let me tell you what gossip is so everybody will know because I don't think everybody knows. So watch. So if I say something and the Lord rings your doorbell, you know, if the Lord rings your bell, don't, act, don't, don't be like, I ain't gonna, you know, sometimes we're at home and somebody rings the doorbell and we don't want to answer. Y'all ever done that? Like when Jehovah Witnesses come in, yeah, I ain't going to that door, <laughs> you know. So I'm saying when the Lord rings your bell this morning, here's what you do. Or when he rings your phone, I mean, cell phone, because everybody don't, I see some folks on their cell phone, which you shouldn't be on your cell phone on Sunday unless you're like reading the Bible. But when the Lord rings your cell phone, answer it. Don't go, well, it ain't me. No, if it's you, acknowledge it. Here it is. Here's gossip. Gossip, so I looked this up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I did, I did the work for you. I said, let me just help our people out, God. I did the work for it to make it easy for it. Here's what gossip is. So you would know the difference because this is a, this is a, a thing that plagued churches and have, gossip have, have ripped up families, marriages, churches, relationships. I'm going to tell you, it's, it all happened because of gossip. And we need to treat gossip. We need, listen, we don't flirt with gossip. You need not to even play gossip. Boy, I'm telling you right now, it is demonic at the roots. Now Watch. How is it defined? If you look it up in old, in the Greek, and in the Hebrew, in the Bible, you'll discover that, that it's, it's a term that means whisperer. Usually stuff done in secret. Psst, 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 psst. Let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you about it. I got, I got some information for you. I got some juicy, some juicy stuff I need to tell you. It's a slanderer. It's one who reveals secrets. A gossiper is a person, watch this, who has privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. Let me say that again. A gossiper is a person who has privileged information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to those who have no business knowing it. The intent of a gossiper is they often have the intent of building up themselves by making others look bad. You ever met people like that? Come on. They, they, they want to build up themselves at the expense of making somebody else look bad. How many know, I, I don't know how, oh, I don't know how the Lord put up with us sometimes with the stuff that we do. Because how many know that every secret thing, God sees it. Every word, God sees it. 
We talk back and forth and we forget that God don't, listen, God don't check out, God don't like check out when you leave here. God don't like check out when you uh, come to church. We holy, we even put on, then we walk right back in the car and we say things and talk about people, man, say stuff we shouldn't be saying, tearing people down and don't even think nothing about it. Okay, you know, and it, it, you know, OJ's, man, I keep thinking about that song, Backstabbers. Anybody know that song? Some of y'all, some of y'all, anybody know Backstabbers, OJ's? I got one, two, two people back there. If you, go, 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 go to YouTube, not now, <laughs> and put in OJ's Backstabber and listen to the song. There's a lot of truth. They smile in your face all the time. They're trying to take your place. They're backstabbers. I, feel, I mean, that happens. Let me tell you something. That happens in the church. Y'all hear me? It happens in the church. Now watch. So watch this. So they reveal potentially embarrassing or shameful details regarding the lives of others without their knowledge or their approval. Oh, I just found out something such and such got a problem with lust. Now, it's okay if you want to address the issue because you really care about it, but why does such and such need to know that brother so-and-so who confided in you and you found out it got a problem with lust, if, particularly if he's trying to get delivered? So now we're going, let's, let's just spread it all over. Let's tell everybody. Watch this now. So how, how, does, it, how does, does this work a lot of times in the body of Christ? Gossip is subtle. And like I said before, it masquerades itself in concern for others. Be on alert about gossip when you hear secret information being shared. Everybody say secret. Secret. Gossiper will seek you out as their confidant. Boy, this is how the devil does it, right? Because remember, there's an enemy fighting against us. The, the gossiper will seek you out as their confidant to unload their heavy heart about their concerns, supposedly. Gossipers is not, a gossiper is not sincerely concerned about solving the problem, only in talking about it. How many know there's a difference? You see? See, a gossiper, see, when somebody want to come and start gossiping you, gossiping to you, then the first thing about somebody else, then the first thing, if you're a mature Christian, the first thing you ought to stop them right there in their tracks. You ought to say to them, I, I hear you, but let me ask you a question. Did you talk to them about this? Do they know you're sharing this information? Is it, did you get, is it okay? And usually they'll do like one of these. Uh, 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 no, I'm just, I'm just talking. Well, why are we just talking? You trying to make that person look bad? You follow what I'm saying? How many know it's, it's about building people up? See, they're not sincere. See, a gospel is not sincerely concerned about solving the problem, only in talking about it, stirring it up. A perverse man, Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separate close friends. A gossiper thrives on the negative, the controversial, the sensational. Any person who is genuinely concerned about solving a problem, here it is, will go and privately confront the person at the source and express their concern. This is how you do it. Some other verses, Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separate the best of friends. Proverbs 17, 4, wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip and liars pay close attention to slander. Now, I want you to, now, why did I take a little time on that? Because I want you to understand how subtle gossip is. So if somebody's having a conversation and, and, and it's not in the context of building and up or fixing the problem, if it's just to give you negative information, what most people want to do is they want to give you negative information because they're mad at somebody about something. And then here's the worst part about it. You ever had a situation where uh, somebody you had an issue with and you went and you, and, and you talked about it, and you supposedly resolved the issue, but then after you talk about it, they go back and tell somebody else about the conversation that you're supposed to resolve. I, I thought we resolved that. So then if when you talk, why are you still over here saying this negative information? What are you trying to do? What's your goal here? What, 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 why are you giving me? See, I, I just want to, I tell you right now, save, same thing I feel the whole, love the Lord, but if you come with me with crazy gossip, I'm going to put you on notice real quick. Don't come to me talking about people with information unless you're coming because you want to help. Because I'm going to send you back to the person. How many know? Because how many know? 
How many of you want to be blessed? Come on. How many, how many, God don't like. Here's some things you need to remember about gossip. Gossip, read Romans chapter 1. Gossip is sinful as murder and will suffer the same consequence unless there is repentance. God holds you accountable to your words. Matthew chapter number 12, verse 36 and 37. The person who gossips to you about others, here it is, also gossip to others about you. I always remember that. If somebody will come and tell you about somebody else, if you're smart, if you've been living for a little while, you'll realize, brother, you see, you talk about me. All I got to do is just cross you wrong. You be talking about me, too. Mm, somebody say, ouch. Okay. Um, gossip and slander. And according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, James 3, 2, gossip and slander disqualifies a person from spiritual leadership. Gossip often thrives upon secrecy. Where secrecy is removed, gossip is hampered. Gossip always contributes to a problem and never a solution. Think solution. Gossip always distorts and exaggerates and is never a reliable source of truth. Now, I want you to think about your own life and ask yourself the question, am I a person that utilizes my tongue in the right way? Am I, am, I, am I a gossiper? Do I like to just get information about people and, so I can just, just know it just to be knowing it? Am I a person that way? Because I want you to identify when you see it. I want you to be able to say, Oh, that's what that is. And you need to stop it. Don't listen to it. Stop it. Here, or, or here's what you do. Matthew, here's how you resolve conflict. So we we're still talking about relationships. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. Look at this. It says, moreover, talking about conflict here, because how many know that any healthy family will have conflict? Any healthy family is going to have conflict. How many know in your church family, you're going to have conflict? Can I tell you something else in church life? Somebody's going to offend you. Okay? A perfect church is not a church where you're never offended by anything that goes on in the church. Listen to me. Are you still listening? Say amen. amen. Somebody in church, the church that you love, the church that you attend, and the people that you love, at some point, they're going to offend you. So don't be shocked when it happens. Don't be like, oh, no, don't be shocked. It's going to happen. But just like in a healthy family, how many know I don't stop loving my brother, my sister, my wife, my kids because we get offended at each other? No. When we get offended, we sit down, right? And let's, 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 let's talk about this. Let's, let's, let's fix this because you're part of my family. And if we got to close the door, then we got to talk for an hour or two. Brothers, sisters, let's work this out. But when we leave here, we're going to be in lockstep with one another because the kingdom of God, that there's too much work God has for us for us to be holding on to bitterness and anger. Are y'all with me? Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Everybody say alone. <laughs> alone. You know what I discovered a lot of time? I only get ahead of myself. Hold on. I got to read this verse. because If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Verse 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word may be established. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or tax collector. Let's kind of dissect that, dissect that just a little bit. So now we're moving from gossip to how to resolve conflict. So we're learning some things here from what the Bible tells us. So the Bible says, if anyone, if a brother sins against you, I will go out to say when, because it's going to happen, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. You ever notice why people, when they get offended, Usually the last person that knows about the offense is the person that was the source of the offense in the first place. 
Everybody, how many know? Everybody else will know about it, and you're the person that, it, and you're the last one to find out. And then usually, you would have heard. Have you ever been walking? And you walking around, and somebody's come and tell you, brother or sister, they mad at you. You'd be like, what? I can. They never. They never talk to you. No, never said nothing to me. But everybody knows except for you. Now, how is that? So the Bible says, if watch, and how many of you love the Bible? Come on, how many of you love the Bible? All right. The Bible got give us clear instructions on how to do relationships. He says, why? So if your brother sins against you, go him, go to him or her and tell him his fault alone between the two of you. So you talk about it. This is what the Bible says. So I got a problem with Walter. I got a problem with Diva. I'm offended. What I'm not going to do is, well, man, I'm, I'm mad at Walter, man, because Walter didn't, he didn't do, so he didn't fix something right that I wanted him to fix. You know, Walter fixed everything. So I'm going to go and I'm going to tell everybody about, man, you know, Walter, he did that. I can't believe, he, you know, he can't do this. Da, 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 da. And, you know, and, and before you know it, Walter happened here. Hey, Pastor, mad at you. Well, I, I Pastor, why Pastor? Pastor, you mad at me? Well, well brother, what, what, like I said, well, well, I just got like 15 people came and said you was mad. Were you talking? I look, look, if you got a pastor like that, you need to leave the church. He ain't got no business being a pastor. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm just giving an example. But this is how we do it. We get offended, and, and instead of going directly to the person, we got to go tell four or five other people that had nothing to do with the thing in the first place. Because what we really want to do is we want to vent. I want to tell you, but the bold thing to do, the right thing to do is, if I get offended, I'm going to go directly to that person alone, privately. Let's talk. Let's talk. Then the Bible says, now, if you can't work it out, let's say the two of you in a room on lockdown and you still can't come to an agreement, then the Bible says, go get another witness. So you go get somebody else who is mature. Everybody say mature. Don't just go get somebody who's going to side with you. Because <laughs> we know how to do that, too. Look, how many know it's about resolution? So find somebody that will come and mediate. Say, look, brother, me and, me and such and such, we tried to talk about this, and we couldn't figure, we need your help because I'm, I'm seeing it this way. He, he ain't seeing it. She ain't, you know, whatever, whatever. Then, then you know, uh, can you come in and talk with us? Then after you do that, let's say that a person still won't repent or let's say that it's agreement on who's wrong, and the person decides they're going to maintain their, let's just say sin. You know, we just go extreme. But let's just say they get to a point where they, they don't want to fix it. They don't want to repent. That's really what it's talking about. Let them, when it says in verse 17, if he refuses to hear, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, then let him be to you as a heathen and tax collector. This is really talking about a person that's decided that they're, they're not going to they're maintain their sin. They're not going to change. They're going to stay where they are. They're going to be obstinate. And, and the Bible says there's ways to deal with that. But here, but again, most people never get to that point. Most people, they get offended. Here's what they do. Attitude. That's for them. What's wrong with you? None. Everything all right? Everything all right? Are you sure? Everything all right? Huh? See him next time. But I just feel like there's something going on. It's, I, it seems like you're a little different toward me. Is anything going on? No, everything good. Everything good. Ain't got nothing going on. That's the reason I do. So then, then watch it. And then, and then we go and start telling other people about the thing that the person who offended us, they don't even know nothing about yet. Because they've been asking. And then you become bitter at the person. Now you're mad. So you go from an attitude, telling everybody about it, and you're mad, and you never did the first step. Can we sit down and talk? How many know that's God's prescription on how we deal with conflict when we, have, when we offend one another? So two important keys as we get ready to, to wind this thing down. So two important critical keys in building great relationships is James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Look at this. So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So the Bible says, let every man be quick to hear. How many know that one of the ways to developing great relationships is they're not always trying to win an argument, but all will listen to me. Even if you believe, does anybody here believe 99% of the time that you're right? I just do, yeah, dive, I, I, I better say, I, 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 <laughs> teasing. But I mean, I mean I, most of us, most of us, most of the time, we feel like, hey, we write about stuff. Until somebody had to like, like, like basically just like hit us right in the head with a big 
stick and knock us out to get us to see. But, but in most cases, we feel like, hey, you know what? I'm right about this. But, you know, it's not always about just being right. Sometimes it's about just trying to understand the other person. Because how many know that you might be right, but the, but the whole objective is you want to gain your brother, right? So it's not about winning the argument. It is about, so I think being quick to listen means I'm going to try to understand. Even though I think you're wrong, even though you don't, what you're saying to me makes absolutely no sense, help me to understand where you're coming from. But most of the time, we don't do that, right? We are like really, really passionate because we want to get out. Our passion sometimes, man. I'm passionate about this point, and we got to get this point out. So we don't want to be quick to listen. We want to be quick to talk. But that's not what the way God wants us to be. God wants us to be quick to listen. Why? Because everybody say blind spot. Everybody say blind I was driving the other day down the road, and I think I'm a pretty good driver. I was driving back from North Carolina. Looked over in the lane, looked in the rearview mirror. I ain't seen no car. Man, lane clear, man. And I love, you know, I'm driving down the road, you know, confident as I am when I drive, and I just, next thing I know, bam, car blowing. I'm almost caught in an accident. I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I look. Then you look. Yeah, I looked. I know I looked. Where did it come? Then, you know, sometimes, you know how we do. Where did that come from? That's that, that what we do. Where did that car come from? Duh. It's on the same road you're on, but here's the problem. You didn't see it because you have blind spots. Everybody in here have a blind spot. Or No, I'm going to put it here. Blind spots. We all have those blind spots. That's why we need one another to be able to see. I don't understand everything. Just because I'm pastor don't mean that I understand everything. I have my own blind spots. We all have blind spots. So, we, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be quick to, to listen because I want to learn something. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll see something I didn't see before. So I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open to that. And I want to say another thing to you by way of that. Guard your heart. The Bible says guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Well, Pastor, what do you mean when you say guard your heart? Be careful who you hang around. Be careful what information you let in. Let me tell you something. If you're going to have great relationships and healthy relationships, you've got to be healthy yourself. How many know the junk in and junk out? If you, y'all, you understand what I'm saying? So if you keep letting bad stuff in, listen, if, if you're letting uh, negativism in all the time, or if, if, if you're, you're entertaining lies, if you're entertaining gossip, I, just, I don't know about you, I don't want my spirit affected with certain stuff. So guard my heart. I ain't listening to that, bruh. I'm sorry. That, I mean, I don't want to be in an environment where we're, we're cutting each other and talking, saying one thing, but then when I show up, you're smiling in my face. But you just got through talking about me five minutes ago. So I don't I want to guard my heart against hate. I want to guard my heart against unforgiveness. I want to guard my heart against people that are, that are toxic who don't want to be healed. Because how many know there's some people don't want to be healed? Some people don't, they don't want, they, they want to stay where they are. And so you got to be able to recognize that. And so finally, we want to be a people. Here's how you use your tongue. We want to be an encouragement. We want to be an encourager. Romans chapter 4, verses, verse 29 says this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Watch this. But, is, but what is for what is good for necessary edification. This is wonderful. That it, may, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 8, but now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice. That means malice is ill intent. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Cursing, perverted jokes. Don't do it. Edification. Here's what I need to ask myself before I say what I'm about to say. Is this going to build somebody up or is it going to tear somebody down? There's some, anybody, here, anybody here like being around encouraging people? You ever been around somebody that every time you're around them, they ain't got a negative word to say about somebody? I had never, you know, I had never heard Kristen Corbin say a negative word about anybody. 
I ain't never heard it. I just haven't. I mean, every time she's always smiling, always upbeat. I just never heard her say a negative word about anybody. And I'm sure there's a plenty of negative stuff to say about people. Because <laughs> it's people. But I'm just saying that there's some folk you just love to be around because every time you're around them, they just kind of lift you up. They're always, you know, they just, it's not that they, they're not perfect, but there's something about their disposition that, that, that if I can lock up with you, I, I, I'll feel better just when you show up. How many know that, that, that when people come into the house of God, they, come into, they need to feel better just because they saw you? Be an encourager. Be a builder of people. Use your words in that way. Don't stir up anger. Do what Proverbs say. If somebody is using loud, crazy words, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Be a person that use your words wisely. Proverbs 25, 11, we'll end with this verse. I like it. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. Power of the tongue, man, the power of words. So we just see and we just talked about we talked about all these things. We talked about the power of the tongue, just by review. We talked about um, gossip, how to identify it, how to, how to reject it. We talked about some things you need to remember about gossip. We talked about resolving conflict, how are we to do that. And then we talked about the fact that we need to edify and build up. We need to be good listeners. This is what God's calling us to do. And I want you to remember that old script in the Bible says that every idle word you speak, you're going to give an account for. Every idle word. Keep that in mind. So when people come in our church, no matter how small we are or how big we get, that when people come into our family, come into our environment, they know they came into a place that it was positive. It was encouraging. It was uplifting because I don't want people to get beat up out there and walk in here and get the same kind of treatment. How many know we need to be different? They will know we're his disciples by the love that we have for one another. And let me tell you something, there's nothing more unattractive to a guest to come into our house. I'm talking to Foundation Church. There's nothing more attractive to a guest to come in our house than to have new guests be spoke, uh, hear gossip and negative talking about one another. And I know people in, the, in here have done it. A part of this church have done it. New people have come in and they got exposed to a conversation that they really never should have been exposed to. And then they don't feel comfortable because people are not looking for that. I mean, no, people want something different. They want something different. Let's be the church. Amen. Let's be what God has called us to be. And Jesus will be glorified. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus.